Hey Alexa, what's the definition of hustle? To be aggressive, especially in business or other financial dealings. You're listening to the H for Hustle podcast, designed to inspire future entrepreneurs to take the leap from working for someone else to pursue their passions and side hustles and turning them into full-fledged businesses. My name is Jerome Fenton. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Every week, I'll be speaking with an entrepreneur that has taken that leap. We'll be talking about the lessons they've learned and how they've turned their passions and side hustles into full-fledged businesses. H for Hustle Podcast, welcome back. Another illustrious episode up ahead. And on today's episode, we have Nelson Tresler, the founder of I Got Smarter and the author of The Unlucky Sperm Club. And this episode reminds me of a quote goes, it's not about how it starts, it's about how it ends. And Nelson's story is one of those um, for like a TV show. It's like a movie. Um, he starts off, you know, his life starts off with like a murder that happens and he eventually becomes a millionaire at the end of it. It is a wild story. I don't want to waste too much time. Let's get into the episode right now. Boom. H for Hustle Podcast. Welcome back. We have another uh, illustrious guest here today with us. Uh, we have Nelson Tressler, the founder of I Got Smarter and the author of a very interesting book called The Unlucky Sperm Club. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Jerome. I appreciate it. No problem. Um, what an interesting title for the, the, your book, uh, by the way, Unlucky Sperm Club, because most people want to be in a this, the lucky sperm club, but unfortunately, most people are born in the other side of it. <laughs> um, so I want to kind of go back a little bit. Um, well, let me start. If you if we were to meet at a party or a, a Zoom dinner, I guess, um, what would you say you do for a living? You know, I'm an entrepreneur. That's a good question. I've, I've done a ton of things, but right now uh, I am uh, trying to build a business called I Got Smarter, which is uh, an app and a goal fulfillment program that helps people finally achieve their life's biggest goals. Got it. Okay. So let's go back, 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 because I read the first chapter of your book. We have to start off like the how your life began, because it's such a while. I usually don't go this far back, but whatever that I have to find. So I have to tell the audience that. So let's go back from the beginning. Let's start from uh, how your life kind of got started, because you're, 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 the book is about like starting off with the murder and then making it to millions. So like, let's start off at that point. Yeah, my my origin story is definitely unique. Uh, my mom uh, got pregnant with me when she was 15 years old. Uh, my mom is one of 15 children. Wow. Her father was the uh, local trash collector in a small town of 6,000 people in Pennsylvania. And while my mom was pregnant with me, her father uh, drove into the small town square, spotted two police officers on the corner, stuck a gun out the window and opened fire on those two police officers. Wow. Killing one and wounding uh, another. Uh, my grandfather was captured and brought to stand trial where he was facing the death penalty uh, for shooting and killing the police officer. Um, during his trial, my mother uh, got on the stand and testified to the jury that the reason that her father had shot and killed that police officer was that that police officer had pulled her over. And when he pulled her over, he raped her. And she wow. was now carrying his baby. 
who is me. Wow. <laughs> what a beginning to a, a life. So what happened with the trial? What, what happened after that? So that that worked. Uh, the first trial ended in a hung jury. And uh, mm. there was a second trial where they took the death penalty off the table. And the prosecution sought uh, life in prison without the possibility of parole. And my grandfather ended up serving the rest of his life in prison. Wow. Wow. So where does that leave your, your mom on the trajectory after that? Cause that's, that's, gotta, yeah. that's, that's trauma with having, you know, you being pregnant with you, then trauma with seeing your dad go to jail. And, you know, so how did her, how did that actually roll out for her after that? Well, you know, if you've ever been in a small town or grown up in a small town, you know, everybody knows everything about yeah. you. And, and, uh, you know, with this going on, everybody absolutely knew who me and my mom were. Uh, but eventually my mom turned 21 and she ended up starting to go to bars and she met, uh, a peach of a man who ended up becoming my stepfather, uh, come to find out that he was an alcoholic and that he physically and emotionally abused my mom nearly every single day. Wow. So my life didn't get any easier with that. Um, you know, eventually, uh, my mom had four other children, uh, and because of the lifestyle that they were living and the chaos that was in our home, it, you know, it got thrown on me a little bit to help uh, care for my brothers and sisters. And, uh, you know, everything that was going on uh, affected my social life and definitely affected school. My mom would rather me stay home from school and help her with the kids than to go to school. So uh, I remember in the fourth grade, looking down at my report card, excited to see who I would get for fifth grade and seeing that I had straight F's and that I would be repeating the fourth grade. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it was no, it shouldn't have been any uh, surprise to me. I had missed 60 days of school that year. And uh, it's the only next, 180 days in school I know. to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, and, and come to find out the next year, they placed me into special ed to try to get me the help that I needed. Come to find out I had dyslexia. I couldn't read. couldn't write. I still can't spell to this day. So, uh, you know, ha had a lot of things going on there. So, uh, you know, flash forward again, um, I'm 12 years old. My uh, stepfather is walking home drunk from a bar. Yeah. And somebody else is driving home drunk from that bar and ends up hitting and killing him. And, wow. and so it's your life just gets more complicated at this point now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, that I think that uh, if, if you read my book, that's kind of where my life started to go well. Uh, oh, okay. See, I haven't got to that part of yeah, the book yet. Okay. Addition, addition by subtraction uh, got it. with him. And, got but, it. but it was at this time my mom, who had dropped out of school in the eighth grade, you know, she has five kids. She has, you know, no education. She has no skills to work outside of the home. And now, even though she has lived a, a horrible, uh, abusive life with this man, now she has no hope. Yeah. And it's at, it's at this time that she decides that she's going to take her own life. And uh, she, wow. she attempted to commit suicide. Thankfully, she was not successful. Yeah. But it was at this time that she decided she couldn't care for all five kids on her own. And, and our family was split up and I went to go live with my grandmother, who is the wife of the man who shot and killed the police officer. Got it. So how does one get out of this small town and get out and actually start living his life after that? Like what, what was there like a catalyst or a thing that made that this, like you were able to say, you know what, 
I started off in such tragic spot. How do I, you know, how did you take it from the neck, take it from there, like through high school? How did you go from there? Yeah, absolutely. So one day, um, you know, when I was living with my grandmother, um, you know, education was never a big thing in that family. I mean, of my grandmother's 15 kids, only two had ever graduated high school. None had ever attended a college or a secondary school. And I remember one day in seventh grade, I was sitting at an assembly and a college came down to talk about what you needed to do to get into a university. And Mm -hmm. it was kind of that time in my life where I was really reflecting upon my life and, you know, thinking about my future. And what I realized was my life sucked and my future didn't look any brighter. And as I heard that lady talk about uh, going to college, I thought to myself, you know what, if I could be that first person to go to college, I could change the direction of my life. And you know what, you you know what happens whenever you tell yourself you're going to do something, you're going to set a goal, you know, that voice in the back of your head starts to whisper all those reasons that you can't do it. And I remember, yeah, I remember thinking, you know what, Nelson, no one in uh, your mom's family ever you know, two of them graduated uh, from high school, you know, you're in special ed, Uh, you you can't read, you can't write, you can't spell, like, you'll be lucky to graduate high school, let alone go to college. College, But I kind of pushed that off. My life sucked. I mean, what did I have to lose? And after that day, I started to do the best that I could in school. And uh, fortunately for me, I was a pretty good athlete. And I had one college uh football team that wanted me to come and play football for them got it yeah that's how you were able to get out of high school and into college yeah yeah because because of that they were willing to kind of massage the uh admission requirements i mean i was definitely not a a student or even a b student uh but they were willing to massage those admission uh requirements to get me into college and because of that, eventually, I became that first person in my family to go to college. Got it. Uh, you do know, you and, think? Do you think sports? Because you, you the, the dyslexia, and the same thing with me. Like I still can't spell to save my life. Like it's a, a issue for me. I was in special ed, just like you. Um, yeah. Do you think that sports was the reason? Because you knew all those other things about yourself. Like you clung to sports and pushed yourself really hard in that direction. Oh yeah, I mean where I, where I felt like I fell so horribly short in the classroom and in there, when I got on that football field, uh, you know, I could, I could be the person that I wanted to be. I could, you know, I had a lot of anger and a lot of frustration in my life at this time. So I definitely did that. And, and, and in my book, you'll, you'll eventually read it called the number 48 and, uh, you know, uh, some other things that even happened in sports because of who I was and what I represented. And that even fueled me even more to excel at sports. Got it. Okay. So you get to college now. Are you like a fish out of water? Like, oh my God, I have to do football and I have to try to learn. Like, how did you put that all together? Well, I made it to college and, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't receive, uh, you know, a, a, a huge scholarship to, to go play. So I still had to pay for it. And I remember after the first semester, you know, uh, I owed a thousand dollars to the school, which I was able to do, you know, uh, I had worked all through high school on the back of a garbage truck and, and in construction. So I was actually able to save some money, but then after the second semester, 
you know, after my Pell grants and financial aid and all that, I still owed the school 3,500 bucks, which there was no way I was able to uh, uh, afford that. So it was at that time that I decided that I was going to join the uh, Air Force and get the GI Bill and uh, then hopefully be able to, uh, you know, finish college that way. Got it. So you just said, there's no way I'm going to, so you decided to join the Air Force. Did you then learn a lot um, for, uh, uh, from the Air Force? Because I know that a lot of times that is the discipline that people need to kind of propel their lives. What was your experience in the, in the military like? Yeah, you know what? The, the Air Force kind of checked all the boxes for me. I mean, you remember, I'm in this small town where everybody is looking at me as, you know, that kid and uh, my family and there's a lot of good stories about that in my book, but I got out of, I, when I was in the air force, my last name didn't mean anything to anybody. I, you know, for the first time I was Nelson, nobody. And you You're know, so it, happy about that. Oh yeah. And it, it was an open slate and I really could be anybody that I wanted to be. I could do anything that I wanted to do and set my mind to. So joining that air force was liberating and, uh, you know, eventually, you know, I was able to, you know, I served four years, I learned so many skills, I learned discipline, you know, I learned a lot of things that weren't taught in my home mm -hmm. growing up. So uh, definitely had a great experience of being in the Air Force and, uh, you know, definitely changed the direction of my life. God, man, there's a lot of people who uh, were on the show that actually the military almost like saved them. And it sounded very similar to that. Like the military almost like caught you at a very pivotal time in your life and like trajected you into a great direction. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you do after the military? You come out, you know, you have that uh, experience on your resume. What do you then go and do after that? Well, so, yeah, I mean, I, I still have that goal of becoming that first person in my family to graduate from college. And, uh, you know, after I get out of the Air Force, you know, by this time now I'm married, uh, you know, I have a child. Uh, I started a window cleaning business to kind of work my way through college. But, you know, 12 years after I set that goal, four schools, you know, four different colleges. Uh, and I finally, you know, had become that first person to graduate college. Got so. it. And do you think that changed the trajectory of your family? Has family members behind you saw you as an example and, and went on or? Absolutely. And, and I talk about that in my book. It's called the crab bucket, you know, where people in your family try to keep you, you know, where you're at and yeah. whether they're doing it to thinking that they're going to keep you safe or they don't want you to get hurt. But yeah, I mean, one of my things is, is once you get out of that crab bucket, you know, and you, you make it and you succeed, that's not the end of the story. You know, what you need to do is go back to the other crabs in that bucket and show them that there's hope, show them yeah. that it is possible and uh, let them look at you for inspiration and motivation to, you know, get out of that bucket and go out and uh, fulfill their own dreams and goals. Yeah. I always tell people there's people always say crab in a bucket mentality. And I was like, has anyone ever thought crabs aren't supposed to be in a bucket? <laughs> exactly. You know, like, so the mentality wasn't supposed to be there to begin with. Um, so that's how it kind of formed. So now you start your, your window cleaning company. Um, you and I have that in common. We both have cleaning companies. Um, what do you do then after you graduate, you know, four different colleges? How do you, what do you propel yourself into career wise after that? Yes. So, uh, I got a, I ended up getting a finance degree and, okay. um, 
you know, I needed an internship before I could graduate. Uh, I was planning on being a stockbroker or, you know, a, a financial advisor or something like that. Was there but, a reason for that specific industry? Yeah, you know what? Uh, with dyslexia, uh, it seems to affect, uh, you know, writing and uh, reading. reading and all of that stuff. And I did really well in math and with numbers. So I wanted to kind of steer myself that way to where, you know, dyslexia wasn't going to affect me as, as much it. as okay. it would have in, in other industries. But I ended up, uh, couldn't get a, couldn't get an internship in my, uh, you know, chosen career field. So I just took whatever I could get and it ended up being in commercial real estate and, uh, you know, come to find out that, uh, I had, uh, you know, the tenacity to be a pretty good salesman and the mindset to help people. And eventually, you know, after my internship was done, I ended up getting hired on with a top five commercial real estate firm. And, uh, you know, flash forward now, 20 years later, I'd, you know, closed more than a billion dollars worth of deals. I've been number one in the world for that company a couple times and had huge success uh, in that industry. Got it. So before I want to go back a little bit, what was the thing that made you become a, a good salesperson? Like, you know, being a salesman is rough. I actually had a daughter to a sales company. I trained salespeople, that are hundreds of them. It's a tough industry. What do you think were the, the, the things that you had that made you such a good salesman in the beginning, like in the internship where you figured it out? Yeah. You know what? I, I was used to a lot of rejection growing up, as you okay. can imagine. So, I mean, the rejection did not uh, bother me. In fact, I remember as I'm cold calling people, you know, I, I realized, you know what, it's going to take you about 20 no's to get a yes. And I didn't let the no's bother me because I knew eventually there was going to be a yes. In fact, I, oh, there's another no, you know, make another call. I got to get these no's out of the way. And it became like I knew a yes was coming and around 20, a yes would come. And the better that I got, the more polished I became, uh, you know, those no's, I, I didn't need 20 no's anymore. You know, you I got it down to, to 15. I got yeah. it down to 10. And yeah. so I, I did that. And I think another thing that, you know, helped me in sales was I was always looking for a win-win situation. It was never about the money for me. I mean, of course the money was good and, and I definitely wasn't doing it for free. But I always, you know, went into a deal trying to help somebody get what they wanted. And I think people felt that and they trusted me. And when things started to go wrong, uh, they knew that, you know, I had their best interests at heart. Got it. And commercial real estate is a is a is a tricky thing. It's not like residential real estate. It's it's much more complex. Um, the leases or the, the the buying is a little bit more complex than just a regular um, residential home. Um, how were you able to maneuver through that industry? Were you in a location that was building very well or like what yeah. was the reason for the for you to be able to do over a billion dollar in business? Yeah, you know, I was in Las Vegas in uh, the late 90s and uh, 2000. So definitely was in a great market and uh, able to take advantage of that. Got it. And that market was growing at that time. There's a lot of things popping up. It's still oh, a yeah. very, it's a still growing place to begin with. So I can only imagine early 90s before what we see now on TV. Um, that's awesome. And so you, how long were you in real estate for? So I just retired this year. I mean, real estate was kind of my day job as, and then, uh, you know, I was able to start, you know, 10 other businesses throughout that 20 years. 
you know, while I was, uh, you know, kept my day job, so to speak. Got it. So um, what was the thing that made you want to start all those 10 businesses? Like, did you have an itch? Because real estate's technically entrepreneurship. Like you're an independent operator. You kind of do, you know, what you want, set your own schedule kind of thing. So what made you want to start those other businesses, considering you almost had the freedom and the lifestyle already to kind of go with that? You know what? I don't know if there's an entrepreneurial, you know, flaw in my brain, but you know, every business that I saw, I, I saw, you know, I, I could monetize it and I thought, Oh, that, that would be a great business. And, you know, and, and then when you're in commercial real estate, you know, you're, you're helping business owners find space. And, uh, I started to buy real estate whenever I could afford it. And I was looking for tenants and, you know, the, the one, the way that I started my doggy, uh, daycares and, and pet resorts was, I owned a building that I talked to a pet resort owner about leasing the space from me and the deal fell through and I fell so in love with the business that, you know, I'm like, screw it. I can do it. And, uh, started to research it and, uh, just started to move forward and do it. I, I had no clue what I was doing. Uh, but you know, I knew that, uh, from what I looked at and, and kind of the way the industry was building and growing that, uh, it, it would be a good business and, you know, definitely fell down a lot, but eventually, um, just a, a year or so ago, me and my partner grew, uh, that business into one of the largest privately held, uh, pet resorts in the country. country, 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 country. I wanted to jump into episode really quickly to tell you about today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is true digital design. That's T R U digital designs now i'm gonna be honest when i was looking for a place to build my website i was lost in the sauce i didn't know which where to go should i go wordpress should i go this i was just confused um and i reached out to a good friend of mine andrew john he's the founder of true digital designs and he was able to make us a clean beautiful mobile first website um and you know the great part about andrew and his company is that he understands that early stage entrepreneurs um have to fund everything themselves so he offers even payment plans um, to help uh, people get their website started and you don't have to break your bank to get that thing going uh, especially when you're just starting to fund your side hustle um, so he understands that he works with entrepreneurs and he gives you exactly what you're looking for for your website and for all the h for hustle listeners he's giving you a promo code it's hustle 15 go to websites true tru digital designs.com Type in the code HUSTLE15 and you get 15% off uh, the prices that he has there. So let's get back into the episode. Yeah, and so how long from, because that was I was going to talk to you about that, how long from the beginning, having that building, talking to that person, and how much reiterations and, and trials and, and to get it to the place that it became what it is now? Oh, yeah. Uh well, I mean, in, in 2006 is when I started that business. And, uh, you know, I, I was still doing real estate, of course, and I hired my manager and all the workers out of Craigslist. I had no idea how to hire people. You know, yeah. I figured if, if you could buy a nice coffee table off of Craigslist, why the heck couldn't you hire somebody to run your business, right? You know, that, that the was, same. <laughs> yeah, I found that out real quickly. And, um, you know, I, uh, I kind of struggled there and, and got into it, you know, the first six months. And, you know, after that first six months, I had lost more money 
uh, in my first business venture in six months than I had made my first 27 years combined. Wow. So, so it was a sickening thing. Uh, but you know, that never, that never say die mentality kind of kicked in. And, um, my partner, Austin Lewis, who is also my brother-in-law and, uh, he was working me at real estate and, uh, you know, he loved animals and, uh, you know, had actually worked at a vet's office in, in the kennel area through high school. And I kind of talked to him and begged him and prodded him to say, Hey, you know, you, you want to take this over or I'm going to close it down and try to lease it out. But, uh, you know, so after begging, you know, he, he was young and never run a business before just gotten married, like, like the real estate, but, uh, he eventually, uh, uh, you know, went in and started to run it. And all of a sudden, you know, when you get the right people in the right seats of the bus, uh, things take off. And when he got in there and, and kind of, uh, did all the things that he just does naturally, that business exploded. And, got it. Because he had the natural love for, oh, it, yeah. for the animals. And then, so you were able to be more like a financier or like come in and kind of help with certain things, but he was running the day-to-day of it. Yeah, you know, I I would, you know, definitely look at the numbers and uh, I'm an idea guy and uh, I would come in and give him some guidance and say, you know, why why don't we try this? So it I had the easy job. I came up with the ideas and then he had to implement <laughs> them and make them work. <laughs> um so how did you, how were you able to balance that? Because a lot of the audience right now is dealing with that. They got a full-time job or a full-time career and they're trying to build something else. Would you attribute that to your partnership, the balance? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you you have to have the right people and you also have to have people you can trust. I mean, in my book, uh, I, I invested in a, a, the children's daycare centers and uh, that was with somebody that I didn't know and didn't uh, really... Uh, understand who they were until it was too late. And he has embezzled over a million dollars from me and my father-in-law. Wow. So the first thing I would say is, yeah, you, you absolutely have to have somebody that you can trust and that, you know, to be partners with. And also, um, I mean, as, as far as juggling it, um, you, you know, people say that they want to manage time, but you know, you can't manage time. We all get 24 hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. but you can manage the things that you're doing within that 24 hours. And, uh, you know, like I said, my job was kind of easy. I would kind of look at the financials. I'd come up with the ideas and then I would kind of pass those along to, you know, the people who were really making uh, the business uh, work and move and then just kind of be there for, to, for corrections and things like that, adding my expertise. Got it. So, you know, it's you, again, 10, Thank you for sharing that. Um, 10 businesses, right? Not all of them are a massive success. You have real estate, you're doing that. Then you have the uh, doggy resorts and the pet resorts. But they had to be failures in the between that. How did you deal with the failures? Because so, a lot of this audience, you know, they might have tried one thing or two things and it failed. Or how did you deal with that? You, you know what? I think it's a mindset too. I mean, I've, I've failed so many times, but at the same time, you know, things only have the meaning you're willing to give them. Right. Mm. So I would, I would look at that and say, well, yeah, I failed, but I learned. And, uh, yeah, I I started a tanning salon, uh, that I thought was going to be the next great franchise. And it ended up, you know, not doing well. And 
we ended up getting rid of it and selling it. Uh, so there were, there were a lot of things like that, that happened, but you know, you, you have to learn from those and you know what, I would rather fail miserably than to set safely on the sidelines and never have taken a chance. That's, that's such solid advice. Thank you so much for that. Um, now, uh, you just said you just retired from real estate. You still have the doggy resorts. No, I I've, I've sold the doggy resorts. Okay. We've exited those. We sold the children's daycare centers. Okay. So, yeah. So now I'm working on the, I got smarter uh, program and app. Got it. So that's going to be my next question. What made you now want to get into the, I guess, improvement or the self-improvement business and, and, you know, Cause there's a lot of people in it. A lot of people are trying it. What, what made you now want to throw your hat in it and give it a try and grow this to be a business? Yeah. I mean, we all hear those stories of, you know, people ask you the question, what would you do if money didn't matter anymore and time didn't matter? And uh, when I was uh, fortunate enough to exit those businesses, uh, you know, I I was able to develop a, you know, uh, quite a bit of uh, commercial real estate uh, and, and have that cash flow. So I was at the point where, you know, I wasn't working anymore. And I'm like, I, I don't want to retire. I don't want to pop my feet up and just ride off into the sunset. I'm still young. And uh, I started to think about, you know, what I would do for free. And I, you know, one with the the condition of, you know, my birth and kind of where I came from, that all started with just one goal of being that first person to graduate college. And after I did that, I realized the power of goals and the power of personal development. And from that time till now, 20 years, I've become obsessed with goals and personal development. I've used them in every area of my life. And, uh, you know, I just love it. I bought every seminar I could. I bought every book and magazine and podcast. So I just love, love it and love to kind of try to become that best version of myself possible. And that's what I wanted to do for other people because I see people out there and I see that they are living so far below what they're capable of living. And with just a few small tweaks and a few strategies, a few philosophies, they could be living so much more fulfilling lives according to them. Got it. So was there one course or a seminar that you took that actually was like, you know, like, it, it, I know it's not, it just doesn't happen just like that, but was there one that was an aha moment? Um, and then that kind of led you into where you are now in your career wise? You know what? I don't know that there was one. I mean, I, I have some, I have some favorite people out there. You know, I like, uh, Brian Moran with 12 week year yeah. breaking goals down into, you know, small chunks. I use that in my program, you know, Darren Hardy wrote the compound effect and he talks about small little choices each day. And, and then of course the big kahuna, you know, Tony Robbins, you know, I I think I own every single thing he has ever put out there (laughs) and uh, listen to that. Brian Tracy, you know, eat that frog and, and sales. So, and that's kind of what my program is, is over the last 20 years, I've listened to all this stuff. I've taken all this stuff in. I know what has worked and what hasn't worked. And I've taken pieces from all of that and then things that I've come up with. And I've put them into this I Got Smarter program and this app. 
and uh, it kind of patches all the holes where I fell short when I was trying to achieve all my goals. Got it. So let's say hypothetically, I'm, you know, I'm coming into your program. What should I expect? What, what would be the step one to, to the end? What was, what is that all about? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the step one in our program, we have a self-assessment because we got to know where we're at and we got to know where we want to go. And mm-hmm. uh, it's all about getting those crystal clear goals. Uh, you know, think about the last time that you fell short on a goal. Chances are you weren't crystal clear either on what the goal was or what you needed to do next to achieve that goal. So we have a self-assessment that you go through and we teach in that self-assessment. We teach a lot of strategies, a lot of philosophies, you know, the importance of time, the importance of gratitude, just all these things to prepare your mind ready to uh, achieve your goals and to make sure that you're going after the goals that are really important to you. I mean, one of the bad things that people do is they set this goal and then they realize that it wasn't worth what they had to sacrifice to achieve it. And we make sure that doesn't happen in our program. Got it. So do you mix goals with whys? Because I know for me, my goals, if they don't have a why attached to it, I tend to not like it. I'll focus on it for like three weeks. And then it's like, ah, the why was I guess the why wasn't even there or wasn't big enough. Is that something that you guys focus a lot on? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we review our goals each and every day through the app. And when you're reviewing your goals, you know, we teach you how to write a proper goal and how to phrase it and, and, you know, make, make it positive and then make sure that it's, uh, you know, worded in, uh, in, uh, like you've already accomplished it. But just under that is your why every time that you set a goal, you're writing out your why on why you're going to do it. Some, some other things that we do is we set a positive reward. If we do accomplish our goal that we're going to do for ourselves. And we also set a negative consequence. Uh, if we don't do this, we're going to, uh, we're going to do this thing that we don't want to do because our minds work differently. Some of us run towards rewards, but yeah. some of us run away from, from pain. Consequence. Yeah. yeah. From consequence. I never heard that before putting consequence behind a goal. Most people are like, Oh, you don't hit it. Just, just redo it and come back to it. The consequence uh, thing. I've never heard. I'll that. tell you what, you, you look at a goal a little bit different that if you have a consequence that you're going to dress up in a leotard and dance <laughs> and sing on YouTube, <laughs> Uh, you're you're gonna try a little bit harder at that goal. So, is your program just set aside for uh, I guess person who wants to be like an entrepreneur, or is it for anyone that wants to set a goal? And how how is the program set up? Is it for anyone? Is it for a specific group? Yeah, no, it, it's for anyone. I mean, when I when I started this business, you know, I wanted to help other people out there who were struggling. It's it's not necessarily about business, uh, you know, but. You can use goals in every area of your life, and I've done that. You know, I've I've used goals to build a a twenty five year marriage. I've used yeah. the goal to you know build a family and have a great relationship with my kids. I've I've used goals to become the number one salesperson nationwide and build businesses and my health and my state of mind. Go- goals are like, you know, I. I you get me talking about goals and I'll go on forever because they will make the biggest difference in your life. Once you learn how to set them and then how you can uh, achieve those goals. Yeah. You're hundred percent right about goals. And I realized that once um, I got into sales, I realized how big goals were. And like, even now my wife and I, we have like a, like a little whiteboard in our room and there's goals for like the family things to get done. And yeah. funny enough, like you're going to bed, you you stare at that little whiteboard for a second and then you're like, man, we got to get this done. And almost like 
your mind just goes into action, into actually accomplishing that. So um, it's been really great because we were able to check so many things off of a list every year. And that's just collectively as a family. And I, you know, I've seen it work in my professional life as well, too. So it's one of those, the biggest things um, that's, that you can do. It's like, it's such an easy thing because all you need is a pen and a paper. (laughs) You can, you can change your life. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, you, you touch on it, you know, those things that are easy to do are also easy not to do. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we're sitting here in 2000, you know, 2020 and we just started a new decade and holy cow, what a way to start a new decade. But yeah. I'm sure there's people, you know, your listeners out there that are thinking, you know, when 2020 came, they're like, holy crap, you know, you know, I thought I would have done more with more with my life, or I thought I would have accomplished this or been here. And the reason that, you know, a decade can slip by is that you don't have those crystal clear goals and then not doing those actions that you need to do to fulfill them because time's coming, whether or not we're doing anything with it or not, time's going to come and go. We are the ones that need to live our lives with purpose and, and, uh, you know, take control of it. Got it. So if a person went to get into your program, they, they don't, they, they're not really good at goal setting. Where should they go? Where should they start? Yeah. So, I mean, you can go to nelsontressler.com and, and uh, my book's there, the app is there, but the app is also available on, uh, you know, the app stores, uh, you know, both in uh, Google and in uh, Apple. So you can go there. And in fact, right now we're, we're giving away uh, 30 free days there. And then I price this app so anybody can use it. I mean, I know I know there's a lot of people out there that say it's not about the money, but it's really not about the money for me. I want anybody who wants to change their life to be able to do it. So we've priced it at $9.95 a month. Uh, and, uh, you know, people can go on there, they can download it, and they can work with it. One of the very unique things about our app is that you can also, you know, invite a success partner to join you on your journey as you're fulfilling your goals, because we found that you are 95% more likely to achieve your goals. If you have that success partner with you, and that's a big part of our program. And you don't necessarily need to be working on the same goals as your partner. They're just there to encourage you and keep you focused and keep you going. And you're there to keep them. And, and if you do happen to fall off the wagon, uh, they're there to help you jump back on and make sure that, you know, a year doesn't go by before you want to start doing your goals again. Got it. So it's a, it's almost like you bring in your own accountability partner in a sense. Absolutely. Yep. Got it. Okay. Um, so a, a lot of the audience that listens to this, um, you know, they're stuck behind a cubicle. They're dying a slow death. Um, they want to do something, but they're afraid or they're fear or financial or 2020 has just got them scared. What advice would you give to those people? You know what? Uh, fear only exists in our minds. So, I mean, we can be sitting there and, and telling ourselves all the horrible things that happen. I mean, one of the things that I talk about in my book and, and uh, my uncle had told me this, but it's the what if uh, syndrome. And uh, he, uh, he kind of put it this way. It might be a little crude, but I think it's worth it. But, you know, uh, you'd be working with him. And if you'd ever ask what if, you know, he would come back and say, what if your aunt had balls? And you'd be like, what? What if your aunt had balls? Well, then she'd be your uncle, you know, get in there and do that. You, and pretty much what he would say is you pretty much could what if yourself to death. Yeah. But 
if you can use those two words differently, what if I wasn't afraid? What could I accomplish? Mm -hmm. What if, you know, I did move forward with this? And those same two words that you can use to paralyze yourself and to, you know, keep you exactly where you're at. If you use those two words differently, they will propel, propel you, you know, to places that you've never even thought possible before with your life. Thank you. That's so, so solid because uh, fear is one of those things that people get caught up in. And as soon as you take the step, the fear goes away. Um, how has entrepreneurship uh, changed your life as, as a person? Oh, well, you know, entrepreneurship has given me the freedom to be who I want to be and to be able to do what I want to do. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, it's hard work. And I think a lot of people get in and they oh, start my own business and I'll be able to set my own hours and, you know, have all the money that I want. You know, it, it, it's definitely not like that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's in fact, it's harder than just going to a cubicle, yeah. but we have to have that long-term perspective. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of us get caught, you know, kind of with blinders on and we kind of put our head down and we're just working and kind of going day in, day out. But where do we want to be in, you know, five years? Where do we want to be in, you know, 10 years or even 20 years? Because it's coming and we need to have that long-term perspective. And then we need to start making those choices to make that a reality. And we don't have to have all the information up front. I mean, the, and the thing is, a lot of times we don't have a knowledge problem. We know what we need to do. We have an execution problem. We just mm. don't do what we know we need to do. Why so do you think move that is? Forward. What do you think the execution is lacking? Is that because that's where the real work is? Well, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's our brains, you know, trying to keep us safe and comfortable. You know, our, our brains are wired from, you know, millennia ago to keep us safe. Yeah. Anytime, think about it. Anytime that you say you want to do something different or you want to, you know, whether it be working out or starting a new job or, you know, venturing out and starting a business, that part of your brain, you know, chimes up just like it did when I said I was going to be the first person to graduate college. They'll tell you all the reasons you're not supposed to do that because it's trying to keep you where you're at right now. You're safe. You're comfortable. I know, you know, things are safe here, but, and we need to learn how to short circuit that and realize that, you know, we don't need that part of us anymore. We, yeah. we need to venture out. We need to get on comfortable because that's where growth happens. Yeah. That, I, I read a book. I forgot the name of it, but it was, ta it talks very much about that, how, you know, those triggers were actually helped us to protect us from, you know, wild animals or uh, attackers. Um, and since this, we've built society, the sense of danger is not there. So you replace it with these newfound dangers, which is, you know, really much like the safety of the unsafety of what we know. Yeah. So um, and, true. Yeah. yeah. And you have to like, like you said, short circuit that is there a way that you've done or you've, cause again, you've taken numerous business chances. Is there a way that you've rewired or figured out how to short circuit that thing? What's the thing that short circuits short circuits that? Yeah. You know what? It's it's like a muscle, right? I mean, uh, and I have this, I have this post-it note. I love post-it notes and quotes, but uh, it says you only need to be brave for 30 seconds at a time. Mm. And that's what I try to do is like, I don't have to be brave forever, but I have to be brave for that first 30 seconds that kind of gets me past that. Yeah. 
That's nice. That's a, I, I like that quote. I'm, is that yours? Cause I might just. <laughs> no, no, I, I very, very little of that. This stuff is mine. It's, it's the stuff that I've, you know, just uh, accumulated over the years. Yeah. Accumulate over the last 20 years. Got it. All right. Um, Okay, so that's pretty much it. I don't have any more line of question for you. If people want to reach out to you, want to find more about you, want to read the um, the Unlucky Sperm Club, where should they go to find all that information? Yeah, so so the the book is yeah, it was released, so uh, it is on Amazon, and uh, just search the Unlucky Sperm Club, and you can purchase it there. Uh, you know, very proud of that book, and I think all of your listeners will definitely get something out of it. Uh, so yeah, that, and then uh, also. Uh, I got smarter. It's, it's on all the app stores, but yeah, you can go to nelsontressler.com and that will kind of take you and, and steer you through that. And, uh, yeah, appreciate it. Great conversation. And I, I hope this inspire people to just do something, you know, that that's what I would say to your listeners is just do something today, you know, d- move forward. Don't wait for all the lights to turn green, you know, figure out what that life is that you want to be living, you know, a year, five years, 10 years from now, and just take a baby step today. And then tomorrow, take another baby step. And what you'll realize is you'll end up like me, you know, 25 years later, I couldn't even have imagined the life that I'm living today. And I don't want to add anything more to that. Thank you so much. Um, All the links to everything Nelson just said, it will be in the description like usual, guys. So make sure you check it out. I have everything linked up, links to his books, links to his website and everywhere you're going to reach out to him. Thanks, Nelson. I want to say thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And just like that, guys, another illustrious episode is in the can. Man, tell me that wasn't a crazy story of how his life um, turned out and how he was able to maneuver and figure things out and grow. And, you know, I loved his story. I still love his story now. I definitely uh, recommend you guys go get that book, The Unlucky Sperm Club. Um, It's full of just a bunch of stuff that we just touched on in the podcast, but it goes a lot deeper in the book. Um, Definitely go check it out. If you have struggled with setting goals, go check out I Got Smarter, the app, and you know go go check out and support what nelson's doing um this story really inspired me um i really learned a ton from it and you know it's again it's not about how it starts but how you end it and some of us you know have very unfortunate beginnings but that doesn't mean we have to stay in that place so that's it for me guys i'm just going to end you guys with a a quote i'm going to leave you guys with every single week comes from nipsey hustle the quote goes the game is going to test you never fold stay 10 toes down It's not on you, it's in you. And what's in you, they can't take away. That's it, guys. Boom.